Welcome to Mental Healthy, where we share the stories and expertise of professionals working diligently in the field of mental health. I'm your host today, Dr. Kenyon Knapp. I've got a special guest today in the studio. It's Dr. Ji-Chan Kim, and I get to work with him here at Liberty University. He has a really interesting background, a lot of really neat research agenda as well. But before we get into talking about the research and the subject matter for today, you know, you get context around people when you just hear them speak about their background and where they're from and things like that. So Dr. Kim, welcome to the program. Could you give us a little bit of your background? Yes. I was born and raised in South Korea. I came to the U.S. when I was 18. So I came to the U.S. for higher education. I first went to a language school, and then I went to college, and then I went to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. So I was being trained in theology to become a pastor, and I did get involved in a lot of pastoral ministry before coming to Liberty. But as I was studying about Christian education, I became interested in educational ministry and how people change, how people mature, how people grow and become more like Christ. So later, I went to Harvard Graduate School of Education, and I studied human development and psychology. And then later, I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison and got my PhD in educational psychology. Okay, so Dr. Kim, so you came from South Korea when you were 18 and had all this theological and secular training as well and psychology and all, and and sort of a mixture of secular and and Christian ministry stuff. Were you torn between going into being a pastor versus being a professor? Because you're a professor now. But what was that struggle like for you as far as going which direction? That's a great question. And the thing is, uh, when you're you know, studying and trying to think about what you want to do with your life, a lot of times you don't have a very concrete picture. But one thing that I really cared about was studying and getting the right education, having a better understanding, right? So in my mind, I did want to become a professor. But at the same time, I wanted to have a lot of experience with working with people in the real ministry context. So I was working as a pastor, but then a lot of times it was more about part-time, you know, involvement. And while I was working as a pastor, I was studying, you know, at the same time so that eventually I could, you know, become a professor. I sometimes think of myself as a pastor, you know, Uh and when I uh, walk into my classroom, I look at my students and I feel like, you know, I want to preach to them or minister to them. When I walk into my classroom, it's not like, you know, I just try to disseminate information. I want to impact their lives. Actually, the entire goal of my class is to help them grow in Christ-likeness so that their heart becomes more like that of Christ. So I do have that mindset. Well, that's good. And as you were speaking, it I sort of got convicted of, I think I pretty much just perpetuated a false dichotomy. The idea that you're either in ministry or you're not, because like what you were saying is you're trying to honor God in what you do every day, whether you're a pastor or a professor. Mm-hmm. And if you're leading people towards Christ, which is the goal of Christians, as long as you're following what you feel led of the Lord to do, what mm-hmm. God has called you to do. Right. So sometimes I say the way God is leading us, you know, there's a sense of humor. Uh-huh. We don't know where we're going. We have a lot of uncertainty about our future, but God knows what he's doing in our lives. Mm-hmm. So as long as in the moment we're faithfully following him, you know, we know that through all the challenges and struggles and difficulties in your life that you face, all of a sudden, you know, it all starts come together, you know, and makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's what I experienced. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that too, not knowing where you're going to head in life and 
some of the listeners are younger college students and some are, you know, older folks, but all of us go through stages in life where we're not sure what's next. And, and you're Yeah. Saying, and because I came to the U.S. at 18, question of, uh, should I go back? Should I stay? Right. Uh-huh. That was one of the major questions that I had to struggle for, you know, many years. So sometimes you're not going to even know where you're going to end up. You might be living in the U.S. right now, but God might send you to different countries. So yeah, be open, you know, try to faithfully follow him. Now, I know our topic today is part of your research agenda. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. Listeners, if you want to like get on your databases and search around, Dr. Ji-Chan Kim has quite a few really neat articles about forgiveness, and he's worked with a lot of different people in the field. So you can read a lot of what he's already worked on. But Dr. Kim, it seems to me that forgiveness is a little bit of an unusual concept. Maybe I'm in left field myself, (laughs) but I don't hear tons of talk about forgiveness in the psychology field as I go around the country. Why is forgiveness so important? To Talk about why forgiveness is important. Maybe look around you. There are so many people who are hurting. We are deeply wounded, especially when we are hurt by people who are supposed to love us, right? So quoting from Ang Lee Nguyen, he's one of the psychologists, also philosopher or theologian that I really admire, Mm -hmm. says, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among those who love poorly. And he says, all of us love poorly. Therefore, we need to give and receive forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So even though maybe for some people, forgiveness is not something that they often hear in the field of psychology, if you just look around you, then forgiveness is something that you definitely have to, you know, learn to develop in you. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to work, right? Relationships is not going to work. Well, that's true. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening can relate to it. Everyone's been hurt in some way and pretty good about identifying ways that people have done us wrong. So I think people can relate to that. Why don't you elaborate a little bit on what do you mean by forgiveness? Like what is forgiveness and what's not forgiveness? Because defining this construct is probably a little little Mm -hmm. bit tricky maybe. Yeah, when it comes to the definition of forgiveness, there are different views out there. But then when it comes to what forgiveness is not, I would say virtually all forgiveness scholars agree with each other. And forgiveness is not condoning or excusing because in order to forgive, you have to name injustice. So whatever that was done wrong in the past, it was wrong. It is wrong. It will remain wrong. So you're not condoning or excusing. So forgiveness is not condoning or excusing. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgive and forget, it's a common phrase that you hear. Mm -hmm. But when I think about it, it is more about trying to comfort the other person who's hurting. Try to forgive and forget, you know, move on, you know, do not be too bothered by what happened. But then when you're truly hurt, deeply hurt, right, forgetting becomes impossible. As you try to forget, you actually ruminate over it, and it might turn into depression. You become more obsessed with what happened to you. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not pardoning. You're not pardoning anyone's sin, or you're not pardoning someone's crime as if that person is now absolved from you know, the crime he or she committed. Forgiveness is not reconciling. It's not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation is something important. As you forgive, reconciliation becomes possible. 
So some scholars would say true reconciliation, for true reconciliation to occur, you have to have a forgiving heart. Without forgiving heart, reconciliation is maybe it's more about pretending that you're okay. Right. So reconciliation is not same as forgiving because it actually requires two people coming together and uh, negotiating for the terms of relationship. And there are uh, many other, but maybe could talk about one more that is not forgiveness is forgiveness is not same as saying I forgive you because when we say I forgive you or I have forgiven you or I will forgive you, right, there might be different motives in your heart. You might be saying I forgive you so that we can manipulate the person who has done something wrong to us or maybe uh, we are saying to the other person that uh, we forgive them so that we can uh, claim our moral superiority. So there are many different reasons why we might want to say we forgive other people. So we have to be really careful not to confuse true forgiveness from your heart with saying, I forgive you. So these are some of the concepts or ideas that are not to be confused with forgiveness. To give you a succinct definition of what forgiveness is, I think borrowing from uh, Dr. Enright's view, I would say forgiveness is loving other people when they are most unlovable. So loving other people who love you, who care for you, who give you respect, who treat you well is easy, I would say, comparably, right? But then loving other people who are hurting you, persecuting you, right? It's really hard. You know, they're Mm -hmm. unlovable. But you're trying to develop love. And I'm not talking about feeling. I'm talking about love that you would give to the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength. So you're trying to love the one who has hurt you as best as you can, and you're growing as a person who is capable of loving when it seems impossible. Wow, that's really nuanced. I like that. There's so many pieces there. I'll just point out a few things that jump out at me from what you said. So forgiveness, it's a cognitive decision, but it's also a state of the heart. It's not just all brain or all cognitive or all feeling. It's both. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then what I also heard you say is that forgiveness is not just a one-time decision. It's almost a ongoing decision mm-hmm. that, that you have yeah. to keep choosing to forgive because you're going to remember, like you said, because we don't forget. So when we remember right. the way we were hurt, we again choose to forgive. Is that part of what you mean? Yes. So uh, forgiveness is not uh, forgetting because uh, by forgiving, you're not experiencing moral amnesia. You are remembering what happened to you with a new memory or a new meaning. So in a way, uh, forgiveness is a finding meaning in your suffering. As you try to follow Christ daily, right, you're becoming more like Christ, but you're finding meaning in taking the cross. So forgiveness is not forgetting. You're going to continue to remember it, but you have to think of it as a process. Sometimes uh, you might find yourself in more anger, but sometimes you might find more peace in your heart. But it's more like ongoing decision. And you can think of it as, for Christians, a process of of sanctification. Mm -hmm. You're becoming more like Christ. Your heart is uh, gradually changing. So even though, you know, you will never forget about what happened, you know, what matters is 
I mean, in your heart, whether or not the love is becoming greater or you're resorting back to anger, resentment, uh, revengeful heart. A lot of the listeners of this program are some of our students here at Liberty University and faculty listen and others around the country. But some of our listeners to the program are Christian and everything we've been saying so far has been pretty overtly Christian. What would you say about forgiveness to a non-Christian person? Maybe they don't buy into all this stuff about God and Jesus and all that. Mm -hmm. How does forgiveness relate to a a non-Christian person? Uh huh. Whether or not you're a Christian, there is a lot of suffering out there. The question to ask what you can do about it. Are you going to go on with your life with a heart full of hatred and resentment? Or are you going to try to uh, develop love in your heart so that you can start making changes Uh in your life and in the lives of people around you? And even if you want or if you care in the lives of those who have hurt you and also in our society. A lot of times we say justice first, but if you look at the history, I don't think it actually works. Mm -hmm. So we have to think of forgiveness actually as a moral virtue. We have to think about what Aristotle said in his uh, Nicomachean ethics about moral virtues. Mm -hmm. So borrowing from many of uh, his ideas about moral virtues, we do not practice any virtue in isolation of other virtues, meaning justice is important. It's one of the primary virtues. Mm -hmm. But then as you practice justice, as you uh, seek justice, you have to have mercy alongside of it so that there would be more balanced practice of all moral virtues. So if you're talking to people who are non-Christians, you can think about what it is as a moral virtue whether or not there is a true goodness in practicing forgiveness. And also you can think about the effects of forgiveness, which is uh, documented through many research studies. And when I talk about research studies, we're talking about the book of God's works, or it's not necessarily from the Bible. What that means is that the effects that we have documented through many empirical studies, they're true for both Christians and non-Christians. So as they look at the effects of what forgiveness can do, then they might be more drawn to the possibility that forgiveness might be able to bring about changes, real changes uh, in their lives and in the lives of other people around them. You talked about Aristotle's virtues and how justice is one of the virtues and all that. And I don't want to go down this rabbit trail too much, but it makes me think of in our society today, there's a lot of focus on justice, whether it be quote unquote social justice or other forms of justice. And you were saying that forgiveness might need to precede justice? Yeah. So as you practice moral virtues, you have to think about practical wisdom which requires that uh, you should be aware of your circumstances, you should be aware of uh, what actually happened, what you can do and cannot do. So you have to avoid extremes. So one extreme of forgiveness, and if you practice forgiveness to this extreme, then it becomes a vice, which is a rush reconciliation or willful ignorance. So, oh yeah, I don't care what happened, you're willfully ignoring what happened to you, then that's not good. Or you're saying, oh yeah, you know, I love you no matter what, so I'm going to just reconcile with you, even though the other person is trying to hurt you, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to avoid these extremes. And one of the ways to avoid these extremes is to think about all the moral virtues, 
and focus on who you become as you practice different virtues out there. So instead of just seeking justice, think about you know what practicing mercy can do, and especially when you practice it alongside of justice. So a lot of times we say uh, justice first, but what if it is revenge in disguise? That could be the case, and I see that happening all the time. You're really angry out of your resentment, out of your grievance, right? You're calling the name of justice, but Actually, you're just letting out your resentment in your heart, right? Mm -hmm. But when you are forgive, maybe there would be more calmness in your heart, more peace in your heart. And now you can think about what the appropriate response to the injustice is with a more clear you know, mind than um, maybe you're trying to seek justice with an angry you know, heart. That makes sense. So people listening, whether they're a Christian or not, the way they respond to their hurts has an effect on them. Mm -hmm. And if they choose to be forgiving, they can feel, not, not just feel better about themselves, but relate to other people better and not have all the bitterness. Because if you stay angry forever, you become bitter and cynical and all of yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at our society, justice is something important, right? Justice is one of the foundational virtues, is primary virtue. But then what if you led whoever is hurt to seek justice without any mediator or any neutral party intervening in the situation? So without the judge, neutral judge, right? I got hurt. Okay, now I'm going to you know, seek justice by going to the person and doing the same thing. Right, but it's not gonna work, and uh, a lot of times it's going to be more than seeking justice, more than just desert. Right, so you have to try to maybe uh, bring mercy closer to your heart and think about what might be the wise response to the situation. Then I think there will be even you know more justice. I know with victims I've worked with over the years in my counseling practice, when I think about perpetrators and victims. What I see a lot of times is the victims, if they don't practice forgiveness of, to some degree, like you're saying, I see my victims become perpetrators. But it's interesting, in their anger and their bitterness of the way they've been hurt, they lash out at other people mm -hmm. and they become perpetrators, but they don't see it because they only see themselves as victims. And I guess that's partly because of all what you're saying, that they don't yes. understand forgiveness. For my dissertation, the topic was bullying. So bullying, I mean, if you have to define it academically, there is a component of power differential, power imbalance between the perpetrator and the victim. Bullying tends to be repeated over time, targeting those who are weaker than you. The thing is, if you think about it, maybe those who are bullying other people, they might have been bullied. Mm -hmm. or might have been wounded by other people. So for example, I know I'm talking about a traditional gender role, but husband who was working maybe at the workplace, he was her, he came home, and then he was uh, displacing his resentment onto his wife, the wife goes to their kids and then, you know, uh, tell them things that uh, she is not supposed to. And then those hurting children, they might go to school and then try to pick on other people who are weaker than them and displace their anger onto them, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a cycle of hurting other people. 
So if you think that you're really hurt, you might end up thinking that, yeah, I have the right to do these kind of things to other people. So without forgiving heart, the cycle doesn't end, right? Mm -hmm. But if you introduce forgiveness in your heart, then you could maybe stop the cycle and think about in what ways you could make positive changes in this world, right? And another example, this is actually a fascinating study that just got published March 2021. And I know more about this study because this was done in the Dr. Enright Forgiveness Lab by my colleagues. So I know some of the authors. So they went to maximum security correctional facility and then asked them, Have you been hurt by other people in your life prior to committing the crime that you committed that made you end up in this facility? Many of them, I think uh, over 90% of them, indicated that they were gravely hurt by other people in their lives. And then the researchers implemented forgiveness program for those who indicated that they were hurt by other people. And they found a lot of uh, emotional benefits for those who are there because they were the perpetrators, but also, you know, they were able to identify those who have hurt them that might have contributed to their offending. And we're not excusing, okay? Whatever they did, it was wrong. So they have to serve their time. However, we can think about how we might be able to introduce forgiveness program or education early on in many people's lives. I mean, we hurt each other. Sometimes we do that intentionally. Sometimes we do that unintentionally, right? But if you learn to forgive from early on, then maybe, you know, we might be able to stop people from continuing the cycle of violence Mm -hmm. in the society. Well, you're right. I mean, you give the example of prison and felons who commit different crimes and stuff. You're right. If people keep on attacking others in different ways or hurting people in other ways, if forgiveness doesn't come in, this never ends because you hurt me, I get mad, I hurt you, you hurt somebody else. It just goes on and on and on. I guess we can lock people up, but that limits the amount of harm they can do to others. And that's probably good to obviously limit the amount of harm they can do to others if they're dangerous. But it doesn't really solve the problem. It doesn't fix their heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you asked me about the role of justice or the relationship between justice and forgiveness. I think uh, listeners, you know, have to keep in mind that forgiveness is not abandoning justice. So as I forgive uh, someone who hurt me, I could actually demand that, you know, that person could change. Uh-huh. So that, you know, maybe stop hurting me anymore or try to act differently. So if you look at some of the qualitative uh, studies out there, people who have negative views of forgiveness, oftentimes uh, they assume that if I forgive, am I abandoning my quest for justice? So it seems like, you know, that misunderstanding sometimes hinders people from practicing forgiveness. But forgiveness, if you think of forgiveness as a virtue and justice as another virtue, Mm -hmm. so gentleness, patience, generosity, there are many other virtues out there and you have to practice all of them alongside of each other. So what matters is who you become as someone who is a practicing moral virtues. So justice actually is really important. Without justice, how do you know that you are unjustly hurt, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to actually stand on the truth 
based on the virtue of justice. If you truly heard, that's when you could practice forgiveness. So we have to uh, rely on justice in order to even figure out whether or not forgiveness is relevant, right? Mm -hmm. So by forgiving, you're not abandoning justice at all. It's just that maybe uh, with a um, forgiving heart, you could think better about what the right response would be without trying to hurt the other person. Everything you're saying is making sense to me. <laughs> it's like I sort of see how people get hurt and how uh -huh. they need forgiveness and all this. And you mentioned your dissertation uh, about forgiveness and bullying. Let me ask you about what kind of research are you doing today? And you mentioned Dr. Enright's study that came out. What's going on in the field of research in regards to forgiveness? So in the field of forgiveness psychology, one of the more recent topics that many people began studying about is divine forgiveness. Forgiveness researchers began studying about forgiveness. They focused on interpersonal forgiveness or forgiveness of other people. Mm -hmm. And then uh, maybe about 10 or 20 years later, people began studying about self-forgiveness, forgiving yourself. And there was some debate about whether or not forgiving yourself is even possible. And then in more recent years, led by Dr. Frank Fincham, more scholars are studying about divine forgiveness. So I did conduct a study on the topic of divine forgiveness. So I wanted to look at the relationship between self-forgiveness, divine forgiveness, and perceived victim forgiveness. And I did it with my research team last year. Mm -hmm. And study is currently under review. I'm not sure whether or not it's okay for me to uh, say it. You know, it might get rejected, but it might be accepted too, right? Uh -huh. So I'm excited about the fact that I did a study about the topic that more people are becoming interested in. Obviously, we're Christians. And so we think of divine forgiveness in regards to Jesus and the Christian God. But I'm thinking, and you probably will know this better than I do, does this topic of divine forgiveness relate to other religions besides Christianity? So if you're thinking about monotheistic faith traditions, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's related. You know, there's a sense of God being someone who is in charge, right? Maybe looking at what they're doing, right? The presence of God. You know, for me, you know, I know what kind of God I believe in, you know, who it is, right? Yes. But then lower letter, you know, G-G-O-D, there might be different conceptions or images of God out there. And if you, yeah, think that there is absolute being, then it's going to affect the way you behave toward other people. What I'm thinking of is how this whole concept of divine forgiveness, how it might have interest around the world with other religious groups as well. Because if they have a monotheistic perspective and they believe that there's evil in the world, then maybe they or their God or somebody has to forgive as well. And it could relate to a lot of people is what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look around you, you might be able to see a lot of people who are not really religious. But in reality, I think more people are religious and spiritual. Mm -hmm. So if you study about the effect of religion in relation to forgiveness, I think there could be a lot more ideas that can be applied to the real situations. Well, let me ask this too. I know you've got your research studies here at Liberty and you've got the Daniels program you work with here and talk about Dr. Enright and his forgiveness lab up at University of Wisconsin. If people are listening and they say, wow, this is such a neat subject and I just really click with this, this makes sense to me. What opportunities are there for people around the country, either professionals or students, to do research 
with somebody in regards to forgiveness? Like what areas of publishing or collaborative research would you recommend? So interesting thing is that when I know this because I worked under Dr. Enright, when Dr. Enright began studying about forgiveness, so one day uh, he came up with this word, forgiveness. He was thinking maybe, you know, God is giving him this topic, right? Uh And he ran to the library and he found nothing about forgiveness uh, in the social sciences. And he asked his friend in another university, another place, and asked person to look for any literature out there about forgiveness, Uh and his friend found nothing, right? So my point is uh, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, studying about forgiveness in the field of psychology or in the social sciences, maybe other people might look at you and say, Are you sure you want to study that is about religion, right, Uh, in the field of psychology, which is perceived as more secular? But now uh, there are many scholars who care about the topic of forgiveness, especially around year 2000, maybe uh, you already know, positive psychology movement that allow a lot of Christians to study about moral virtues like gratitude, humility, There are folks studying about wisdom. So if you study forgiveness now compared to 20 or 30 years ago, I think uh, you could get involved in professional communities a lot more easily. And there are many scholars out there. There are thousands of research studies uh, about the topic of forgiveness. So you could look up you know, some of the articles and see who's studying about forgiveness and where. And you could contact them and try to get involved in their research. Mm-hmm. People who study forgiveness, I'm, I'm not saying I know all of them, but I do recognize and I know many of them. And many of them are Christian. Not all of them, but many of them are Christian. And you know, all of them... They have this spirit of collaboration and cooperation, not necessarily like trying very hard to compete with each other. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, if you reach out to them and ask them about their research and how they can, you know, get involved, then they would more than happy to get back to you and interact with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not necessarily predicting how they're going to respond, but based on my impression about the field, right, uh, there are a lot of great people who want to advance the knowledge about forgiveness and invite more people to practice forgiveness. So I think uh, other people might be more than happy to, you know, interact with you if you contact them. Well, if they're into forgiveness, they're probably nice people, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure about that. I'm, okay. no, I'm talking about me. I'm, I'm okay. thinking about me. So sometimes I do yeah. wonder, you know, why I ended up studying about forgiveness. When I think about, you know, my own life, I mean, I see that I'm just like other people. I'm sure. emotional. I get angry. Sure. And sometimes I ask the Lord, Lord, why did I end up studying about forgiveness when forgiveness is so hard, right? Yeah. And sometimes I confess to my wife and my kids, I don't know why I ended up studying about forgiveness. I struggle. And I'm not going to necessarily say I struggle more than other people. You know, I'm just saying I think uh, there's a universal nature for all of us to maybe start seeking justice before thinking about the idea of mercy, forgiveness, and love. Uh, but You know, remember the point about forgiveness being the process of sanctification. It's a process who I become. So whenever I think about, you know, that idea, the Lord is going to continue to provide me with his grace. Sometimes I fail. 
Sometimes I okay, I do better, right? Yeah. But what matters is who I become, and each day how much I become more like Christ. Maybe if that is the goal, then sure, maybe I should think more about it, study more about it, so that I never give up becoming more like Christ. So I found hope in that, you know, idea that what matters is who I am. Becoming, but if someone asks me, "Are you really、uh, more forgiving than other people?" the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to be honest with yourselves, right? <laughs> I mean, we can lie to ourselves all day long. And I know that with all the research you do in forgiveness, you want to encourage people to forgive because、huh. um, of all the benefits it has and the way it's a virtue and so forth. But it's hard, like you're saying. It is hard. If forgiveness was easy, everyone would do it. We wouldn't have any bitterness anywhere. But we do have bitterness. How do you go about trying to encourage people to,、yeah. to forgive? So C.S. Lewis in his Mere Christianity, there is a section on forgiveness, and he says, "Forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have something to forgive," and I think、uh, that's really true. And based on actually my research at Liberty University, I realized that my participants are typically my students, right? All of them, you know, most of them say forgiveness is something good. They care about forgiveness, and they think that God is forgiving. So their idea about forgiveness is influenced by their Christian faith, but in reality, I see that there is a discrepancy. You know, there is a difference. Forgiveness is a beautiful idea or lovely idea until you are experiencing some sort of injustice in your life. Because of that phrase, after reading that phrase, I began conducting some researches here. And I'm actually presenting my findings at the Christian Association for Psychological Studies conference.、Mm-hmm. So what I did was I asked participants, randomly assigned them into different groups, and asked some of them to think of a time when they were deeply hurt,、mm-hmm. and then others to think of a time when they were deeply loved. So when you're、uh, talking to your client and you know that they are struggling with this wound that they experienced in the past, right? They're coming in with a wounded heart. So it's likely that they're going to think of forgiveness as something impossible. It's likely. However, if you maybe、uh, try to ask them to think of a time when they were deeply loved, right? Maybe for some people it might be easier, for some people it might be harder. But then I hope that everyone could think of a time when they were deeply loved. And based on my research,、mm-hmm. so randomly assigning people into different groups, some of them were thinking of a time when they were deeply hurt, some of them were thinking of a time when they were deeply loved. I found out that there was a statistically significant difference between. In the two groups,、mm-hmm. on the dependent variable, which was their attitude toward forgiveness, so there was no difference in terms of how they perceive forgiveness as something good, virtuous.、Mm-hmm. So everyone says that forgiveness is a good thing, but when it comes to how hard it is,、yeah. those who were thinking of a time when they were deeply hurt, they indicated that forgiveness is more challenging, more. Difficult and more demanding compared to those people who are thinking of a time when they were deeply loved. So, based on that research finding, maybe you know if you're talking to someone who's really hurting, maybe you could remind them. Of the fact that they are truly valued, truly respected, truly loved, and especially for Christians, we can remind them of Christ's love, unconditional love, 
nothing could sever them from love of God, according to Romans 8. So you could remind them of God's love, then maybe their heart might start to soften. Oh yeah, maybe even though I was victimized, I feel like I'm really hated by this person and it's uh, bothering me in my life every single moment. But maybe that's a lie. Even though this person hurt me, wounded me, I'm hurting, but I'm someone who is really loved. And if you look at a lot of intervention studies on forgiveness, the interesting finding is that their self-esteem goes up. So people who are wounded by other people, maybe they might have developed victim mindset or thinking of themselves as not as survivors, but as victims, right? Uh, yes. So it might hurt their self-esteem, but once they overcome through forgiving, you know, maybe they start seeing themselves as survivors. So the research finding based on many intervention studies is mm -hmm. that their self-esteem actually goes up. So you can be hurt bad, but you can still have good self-esteem and be healthier and everything if you forgive. I always end with guests by asking this, is there anything I haven't asked you yet that you came in here going, oh, I want to say this. I really need to get this out during the interview because I know I had a lot of questions for you and you answered them brilliantly. Is there anything else on your heart or mind you wanted to share today? Yeah, two things. One of them, the idea of self-forgiveness. Okay. So sometimes Christians are the ones who are thinking about divine forgiveness or divine forgiveness of sins and uh -huh. saying that self-forgiveness is not possible. But if you think of forgiveness as a virtue, can you be gentle toward yourself? Can you be just to yourself? Can you care for yourself? Is it really selfish love if you care for yourself? If your answer is no, and if you think about how you could practice all the moral virtues toward yourself by being patient with yourself, by being gentle and kind to yourself, we shouldn't make forgiveness an exception. You could be forgiving toward yourself, and that doesn't mean that you neglect other people you have offended. As you seek forgiveness from God and as you apologize to other people you have wrong, right? You could be practicing forgiving yourself. Mm -hmm. Again, C.S. Lewis has said, if God forgives you, telling yourself that uh, you cannot forgive yourself, what that means is that maybe you're placing yourself in a higher tribunal than God himself. Mm -hmm. So if you know that God truly forgives you, then it's okay, you know, well, repent, try to right the wrong. It's okay to accept yourself and try to practice unconditional love toward yourself because of the great love that Christ has shown to you. So that's one thing that I wanted to get out there because sometimes Christians are thinking, how can you say that you can forgive yourself? God is the one who can only forgive our sins. I'm not talking about sins at all. So when it comes to sin, we have to go to God. God is the only one who can forgive our sins. But when it comes to showing forgiving love that you have received, you're free to practice forgiving love toward yourself. If you think about forgiveness as only related to sin, then we know that we cannot forgive our sin, right? Yes. I mean, how can we uh, claim that we could forgive our sins and be saved from our sin by ourselves? No, it doesn't make sense at all. But when you're thinking about forgiveness as forgiving love, 
Okay, without forgiving your sin, then because God loves you, because God sent Jesus to die for you, right? Then we should be able to try to forgive ourselves. And obviously, when it comes to uh, salvation, there is no salvation other than through what Christ has done on the cross. So you have to repent and be forgiven of your sin. And then try to love yourself as you're loved by God. Whenever I think about forgiveness, even though we talked about how hard it is, right? One of the best ways to bring more people to Christ might be, might be by forgiving other people. So we are told to love other people as we are loved. Right, and if you think about how we're loved, we know that we're loved when we were sinners. So the kind of love that we have received from God is forgiving love, and as we try to embody the kind of love that we have received, that is forgiving love, that might be one of the best ways to bring people closer to Christ, the true forgiver, the perfect forgiver who has shown both justice and mercy on his cross. So by forgiving, maybe uh, there is greater meaning to it, and especially if you think about how we could expand his kingdom and bring more people to Christ by forgiving. I think you know that's something that God wants us to do, and that's going to give us a greater motivation to try you know, at least try. It's hard. I'll never stop saying that it's hard. It's very hard for me. It's very hard for other people. But by trying to extend his love, forgiving love to other people, maybe other people might want to hear more about, oh, yeah, how is it possible that this person is extending love to me when I know that I hurt this person, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something about Christianity or Christian faith that I want to know more about, right? So I think of talking about forgiveness as one of the ways to bring other people closer to Christ. Yeah, yeah, forgiveness is a very attractive quality. Like when you see a person that's forgiving, you're like, man, that person is really cool. (laughs) I wish I could be like that. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's really refreshing to hear all of this. And the cool thing, too, is everyone listening can relate to it because every one of us has had some hurts in our Mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate and I enjoy my time. And thank you all as well, listeners, for being with us today. We're glad to have you here on the Mental Healthy Podcast, and we look forward to having you tune in next time. So thanks so much, and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Healthy. Please be sure to subscribe for more episodes and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you join us next time for more on Mental Healthy. Music for this podcast is licensed under Creative Commons by Excel Music Publishing at freemusicpublicdomain.com.